unpack all things related to mothering. This is a community where we aim to create a comfortable space that allows for active discussion without judgment. Find us at thecuriousmother.com and follow us on social media. Our Instagram is at thecuriousmother. Welcome back to The Curious Mother. I'm Melissa Miller. And I'm Kristen Daly. So Kristen, tell me what you've been curious about lately. I think myself and probably every other mother out there is finding that this whole school thing that we might have taken for granted is not so much um, set in stone anymore. And we're all trying to scramble with all the challenges that quarantining has presented us with. Um, education has been one that is first and foremost in my mind. And so as I've been wrestling with questions about it, I have been texting and, and kind of chatting a little bit with my friend Holly Norton, and I thought it would be really nice if she would maybe answer my questions and we could record the answers, and that way we could kind of share it. And the reason why uh, I picked on Holly is because Holly has a history of having been an educator. She was a tutor for 24 years. She spent the last 10 years doing educational coaching and consulting. And not only that, but she has three daughters. One is in high school, one's in middle school, one's in elementary school. I think our kids are almost exactly like paired up. And on top of that, she has also homeschooled in the past and at different times in their development has Worked So she kind of has a great understanding of what it's like to be in a bigger educational system and also what it's like to try to be intentional in educating your own kids. Another thing that's like a fun thing to know about Holly, I think our houses are painted the exact same color. They are. Um, (laughs) You painted it first. I copied you. No, but Holly is a um, a pretty great interior designer and landscape designer. Um, every we live in the same neighborhood, and so every time I walk past her yard, I, I experience intense yard envy. Um, <laughs> even like her chicken coop is really cute. Like, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. Anyways, How are you really making me sound like a homeschool mom, giving away that we have chickens? I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but Next, you're gonna tell people I'm wearing a denim jumper, but I'm not. A Promise. She is not. We've, I promise. Actually, Holly is really on it with fashion. So go ahead and throw out a lot of your homeschool mom uh, stereotypes because I, I don't think, I mean, short of the chickens, um, I don't think that you really meet most of them. So, so welcome, Holly. Thanks for having me. So you started off homeschooling your two oldest when they were how old? Like, how, when did you kind of invest in that? Yeah. So when my girls were, when my oldest was going into kindergarten, we were living in a neighborhood, our school that we were zoned for, I wasn't really thrilled about. And we put her name in for a couple lottery options. And that was a year, I don't know, she's 15 now. That was the year that CMS extended the school day by like 45 minutes or something. Mm -hmm. And so all the lottery schools were getting out I want to say it was like 4.15 or maybe 4.30 even. It was yeah. so late. And it was, I already was like, she's going off to kindergarten and I feel like kindergarten should be a half day type thing. And then they did that and I was like, I can't do it. And so it wasn't something that I'd liked my whole life. been like, oh, won't this be fun? We'll homeschool. But I wasn't afraid of it either. And I had friends that were doing it that I'd 
didn't have maybe some of the same baggage that other people might have in terms of preconceived ideas about homeschooling. Um, so I homeschooled Ella, she's my oldest, and Eve, my middle daughter, until they were in going into the fourth and second grades, respectively. So my okay. youngest daughter has never been homeschooled until now. Oh, um, uh, yeah. yeah. Just like, you, you know, you, you're way too social. And she kept saying, I want to sometime, I think. And so here we go. Mm-hmm. But, um, mm-hmm. and then, so they've been in public school and have loved it. And it's been great. And, and then Ella, I did pull her out in the seventh grade. And we had a year of just homeschool, just the two of us. So nice. where did you begin? Several friends that I really respected from watching what they were doing. I really felt like they were doing some great things with their kids. Mm-hmm. And so I called upon them for, for resources and kind of giving me a vision. And obviously if you Google, definitely no shortage of homeschool people sharing philosophies and resources on the internet. Um, but I, but I began really with, with friends kind of guiding me in just kind of the basics of how to get started. What did a typical day look like? So one of the things that I think, uh, so I've had numerous people that have been obviously calling me and asking me to have the same conversation. And one of the things that I say to everyone is one of the biggest challenges in homeschooling is you will feel like you're not doing enough because you're used to your kids going to school and being there for so many hours and you're used to them bringing home, you know, their Tuesday folder packed with all this, you know, printed material and papers that they've written on. And, and when you homeschool, you just don't, it doesn't take nearly as long. And it doesn't, you have to write something on a piece of paper to prove that you, you, you know, were curious and learned something. So day was is not long when they're real little when they're in elementary school it's not long at all our typical day would we'd have breakfast just maybe start off reading a book together I think one of the things that is really valuable with younger children I think is to kind of have your core content of like this is the most important stuff that we've got to do every day and that is easy and as manageable as a parent is just like, all right, flip to the next page in your handwriting workbook. Or mm-hmm. now we're going to do these two math worksheets, or we're going to sit down and do Khan Academy math. Or mm-hmm. So you have your little, those things, the books really led the way for our okay. education. Little. So we're reading, you know, some book about George Washington. And we always had the computer by that would lead to just reading about something, you can stop, you can look it up on the internet and um, explore further whatever you're curious about. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we we had the structure of certain things every day that were the things that, you know, made you feel like, all right, my kid is learning to read and my kid is learning math. And, And then some of the other things were maybe a little more fluid as to how much time we spent on them each day. And then some days we go to an art co-op or we would do, we always had a co-op with a group of other kids and families that age, which was a nice break. I think it'd be really important right now to find something like that, to create something like that with a handful of friends. You rotate whose house it is at. And you know, if, if you're passionate about art, then let's learn about Monet and do a little painting and then have lunch and play so that all the other moms get a break. 
Um, so those kinds of things broke up the days um, mm -hmm. so that every day wasn't exactly alike, but every day kind of had the core things that needed to happen to keep us on track. Holly, how would you plan for a day? Would you plan the night before? Would you plan the weekend before for the whole week? How would you get prepared? Yeah, I would plan, really I would plan kind of like a month at a time and have just a big picture like this month we are going to learn about animals that migrate. And so I'm going to check out a bunch of books at the library and have those available. And we're going to, I know we're going to cover this in math and we're going to read these two little biographies or whatever. I would just have all the books from the library and the things and like, these are the core things we're learning about. And then each week I would kind of Sunday night map it out and just, but again, there's, there's those anchor pieces that you don't even have to think too much about, you know, um, there's, I mean, some of my favorite resources, like my favorite spelling resource, it literally is like instructor and it tells you what to say, like in quotes, you know, so it's like, good job, son, you know, whatever, <laughs> then what the kid would say. And so you don't, I, I, what I love about some of those resources is when you think of teachers and lesson plans, it's not that because you're, it's one-on-one. -on -one, it's just a different dynamic. Um, so, and there's great, there's great resources out there that really set you up to just show up and do the lesson with your kids. Mm -hmm. Would you buy a curriculum or how did you figure out what would be a good curriculum? So, so some people do and they call them like a box curriculum and it is like, it has everything. And I didn't, I didn't go that route. It felt overwhelming because it's a lot of material and you could feel like you're doing school all day long if you feel like, no, we must do all these things. So, and I don't, I don't like being pinned in by things. Mm -hmm. So I did like, I had, you know, a math book or a math curriculum and I had a spelling program that we did with the younger years, history and science was more picking topics or time periods and just kind of navigating with a little more freedom. Mm -hmm. I think all of my ideas are science projects when it comes down to it. <laughs> but you know what you are, if you are passionate about something and interested in it, that is going to be so much better than anything that you feel obligated to do. And the, mm -hmm. the bottom line is that we all learned about photosynthesis, I don't know, in the sixth or seventh grade, and then again in high school. And I, I couldn't, couldn't really tell you too much. I mean, I could tell you some high points about it, but you know, it's like, mm -hmm. they're not, they don't have to retain all the content. You want them to, to build the skills of exploration. Mm -hmm. You want them to build the skills of, of reading. Mm -hmm. But you really, one of the things that I think one of the benefits I think about home education is that school really kind of pushes like writing because it's their only mechanism with you've got 25 kids in the class. How do I know if they understood what they read, they have to write something. Mm -hmm. But really developing their thinking is so much more important than their writing when they're little. Mm -hmm. And so when you have young children, you can do a lot more of just 
conversation as you're reading, asking them to like narrate back to you things that they're that you read or tell you favorite parts of the story and just these things that are we it would be so easy to feel like is this enough but it's just so different than a classroom of tons of children and so I think there's just lots of opportunity to go in the direction of what your kid is really interested in what they're passionate about, you know, if your kid loves to build and make things, then like, all right, well, what are some projects we can do to, to grow that talent and skill and curiosity as opposed to just like, well, you know. So Holly, I'm wondering about the parents who are thinking like, okay, maybe I'll do this for a year, but then we're going to, you know, once there's a vaccine, we're going to pop back in for right. the following year. What was it like for your girls to transition back into school? I'm thinking specifically for a curriculum. Like, is there any questioning of where are you at? What have you learned that you want to caution parents to be aware of that once they enter back in? Yeah, I think that, I mean, math is definitely the biggest thing in that regard, that you want to make sure that they're tracking with the skills and the things that they should be at their particular age and reading. I don't, I really don't even think writing is, maybe if they're, a, maybe if you're talking about a high school student, but I, I really don't believe that writing is as important as having academic conversations about books and things and reading really great books. There are a lot of people being intimidated, like I'm not an educator. They don't trust their ability there's just, there's so much opportunity for you to awaken things in your children that maybe school is not doing for them. And that's not to be critical of school, because obviously I send my children to public school and they have had amazing teachers and wonderful experiences. But I, homeschool has always provided an opportunity to, you know, Ella in the seventh grade, we did a Khan Academy art history course that they had. And she took fiddling. She plays the violin and she also took some fiddling lessons that year. And she did more art things because she loves that. So it just, it gave opportunity to cultivate things that are real talents in her and, you know, and to look at the things that they're weak in. So if you have a kid that has terrible penmanship as most elementary school kids do, I feel like because they don't really teach that much in school Mm -hmm. you can, you can work on that. You can give them the one-on-one -on -one attention for that or spelling. That's another one that I really feel like is not attended to as well in school as it was when we were, when we were growing up. So this might be, I'm sorry for this is a very specific question, but when you're homeschooling, do you sit with your kids the whole time that you are working on huh. a subject? Yeah, that's a great question. When they're younger, you are needed, obviously, more. When they're older, no. Like when they're older, there's things we come together and then go off and do this. One, one thing that I think is so valuable and helpful for all of homeschooling and how you schedule your day, whatever your schedule is that you make, have a timer and set a timer. So mm -hmm. it's like, all right, now we're going to do this math worksheet. And either I'm, help, I'm here with you doing it or I'm sitting here doing something on my computer and you're there. I'm here if you need me. But set a timer and a limit. Like we're doing this for 15 minutes and then we're moving on. 
for like handwriting or copy work of something where they're just writing something. It's like, we're going to write this one thing, but I'm also going to set a timer for five minutes because we're not going to spend more than five minutes on this. Mm -hmm. Um, And so sometimes there would be things that they're doing that I'm not required. Right. I might still be very close by if they're young, but I might step into the kitchen and set the timer and it goes off and I come back in and we, you know, transition to the next thing. Also, you can, with older children, if you, you know, obviously everybody's got everybody at home. So there's things that you can do to streamline your education that works for all three kids or four kids or two kids, whatever. So like science and history are definitely the two big ones that if you're studying the Underground Railroad, right, you can have a book that's appropriate for your third grader and you can have something for your sixth grader and you can have your sixth grader read the book to the third grader and you can share what you learned. You can engage your older children in ways with younger children that can free you up for 30 minutes or 20 minutes, you know, and let them facilitate something which can be great for them, you know. It can also be terrible and also yell at each other, but. (laughs) (laughs) How do you try to create that sense of being able to be in that authority position or being able to try to be the teacher? Because that's, I think, the thing I fear the most. (laughs) Yeah, I think that I I found that like reading was always an easy task to do together because it's not necessarily teaching, right? So. it's, it's, um, but, but yeah, even with that, if you're having the younger one read to the older one, they will start to like help them with the word before they're finished sounding it out and they get angry about it. So mm-hmm. then you're teaching other things like conflict resolution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What made you decide to pull Ella out for homeschooling in seventh grade? So that was something that we actually talked about for a year or two prior. Of, um, I had a friend that did this with all of her kids in middle school. And I really love the idea. I mean, middle school is kind of, can be awful, right? So mm-hmm. if ever you were going to pull a kid out in homeschool under normal times, it feels like middle school might be a good time to like mm-hmm. pull them out of middle school life. But I, so we did it primarily as just an opportunity for us. It's like you're, she turned 13 that year. It was just like growing from a, a girl to more of a teenager. And mm-hmm. so the time to, to kind of invest in her as a person more. And we traveled a little bit together that year. Like I mentioned earlier, we did, she did some additional music and art things that school just didn't allow for. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, her middle school would get out really late. And so she also in the sixth grade was really feeling this like, I've got no time for anything outside of school. So it was it was always intended to just be like a year of something special. And then you go back, um, Mm -hmm. which it was and then you come home again, apparently halfway through the year. So (laughs) Yeah. What is, what is this upcoming year going to look like for you? Like, tell me how things are being planned out in the Norton house. So my oldest two are going to start out on the remote, on the 
remote learning, if we ever go back to school, they'll go back to school with a lot of open conversations that if that isn't working, that we will pivot and Mm -hmm. do something else. And so my youngest though, I am going to homeschool. I'm not Mm -hmm. going to do the CMS thing. I just felt like it's too many hours in front of a computer. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I want to be able to give screen time as a like afternoon reward, not (laughs) get it all used up with school time. Yeah. And just facilitating that back in the spring, I felt like if I'm going to have to be engaged in your learning, then I want it to be not just like we're getting through it, but I want it to be good for her and good for us. I don't want to be like managing something that feels like a life suck. Um, Mm -hmm. So I hit that point in the spring with a something on the water table, water about, uh, it was, it was awful. And I'm like, we're done. I can't keep doing yeah. this. <laughs> what do you do? Like, do you just send the, like a note to school saying, you know what, we're, we're going to do our own thing or <laughs> like logistically, how do you do that? Well, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to call the school cause I do know that if we, if we withdraw right now, it jeopardizes funding for the mm-hmm. school that mm-hmm. if they all go back in January, and, and I'm like, all right, you're going back to school, then the funding won't be there. So I am going to contact the school to say, I'm homeschooling her, but should I wait to unenroll her mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. to protect your funding? You do, there is a website in a North Carolina, at which is so funny that you have to register your homeschool. It takes like two minutes and you're done. Uh-huh. It's really uh-huh. not that hard. But I did hear from my mom today. She said, did you hear that the North Carolina homeschool website crashed? because of getting so much activity. And I was like, I'm not surprised, but the only thing then that the state requires of you in operating a homeschool is that if your child that in the third grade, you have to take, they have to, you have to administer some type of standard test, which there's a test called the pass test or the cat test, which we took when Uh we were kids but you just, you purchase them online or you can go to someone. There's lots of people locally that would administer tests, which can be helpful to get the feedback of someone saying, yeah, your kid's right on track or your kid's on track and excelling in this, or you may want to work on this over the summer, you know, at the when Stephen Carell went to declare bankruptcy and he just yelled it out loud. And no, that's not, it's a little more than that but not a lot not a lot I know I just have this vision at one point we got the truancy letter because we had missed a lot of days and so I just have this image in my head of like the truancy cops like showing up at the daily house you know like (laughs) there goes Kristen Daly going to send her kids Holly, I'm also really curious about these co-ops that you're talking about. And I do hear a lot of neighbors or friends talking about creating these. I'm curious, any words of wisdom about who would make good co-op partners and what to look for in a good co-op partner? Right. So uh, for me, it's important for it to be small enough that when it's my time to have the kids, I'm like, I feel like I can handle 
what I'm doing and the, the dynamic of the kids. So my, the co-op that I've done is I have all girls and it's been an all girl thing, not because it had to be, but just kind of how it came about. And the parents were just really like-minded and really on the same page about our intensity, right? So if somebody is super high achieving and, and wants to do something really rigorous, then I probably would not be the best co-op partner for you because I'm not looking for that to be super rigorous. And then, I mean, with, with my girlfriends that I did it in the past, we, we did, it was a really neat mix of two of them were much more nature science oriented than myself and one of my other girlfriends were more language arts artistic oriented and so we would sit down for a semester and kind of map it out like I'll take these three weeks and then you take the next three weeks and here's what I'm going to cover when I'm doing mine and sometimes it's like all right you're doing this science thing and that's going to be my science for the month because I'll just whatever you're studying we'll do a little more of and that will be enough. I mean, good grief, wild crats is enough for that. There's when they're little, there's so much they can learn that is really great. And if you can just be free of not feeling like, am I doing enough? Are they learning enough? Are they going to be behind? Did you have to set a lot of ground rules with your co-op of like, here are the rules for behaviors, here how we handle if a kid is acting out, here's the policy on being sick, here's how we give feedback. Would you have to talk about a lot of that? Yeah, I'm not with the group of friends that I did that with, but I see how that could be valuable. We did we did have initial conversations about expectations and even the flow. So it was, it was pretty formulaic and I'm going to do it again this year with my youngest that is homeschooling. So it'll be like, they'll gather, they'll, they'll come at nine 30, they'll play for 30 minutes. Then at 10 o'clock I'll start something and I'll go until 1130, 1145. And then everybody brings lunch. They'll eat lunch and then they'll go outside and play until 1.30 when the moms come. So we, and we all kept that same formula. So we had, but I felt like our kids already played enough with each other that we were all really comfortable with the boundaries of how we discipline, parent, address children just um, when they're in our homes. But for sure, if it's like neighbors that you don't know as well, I think that would be really critical. Anything that you just think parents should know before getting into this? It will be, if it feels like it will be hard, it's because it will be hard. You know, it's challenging. It, whatever is hard about parenting is hard about homeschooling. It reveals things about you that you'd rather not face. It reveals things about your kids that you would, you know, rather not be confronted with. But in that, it's a real gift because, you know, no one is going to love and care about the things in your kid that need attention. It's hard. My daughter, the other day I was telling her like, all right, you are going into high school this year. Your childhood is pretty much over. Like, how do you feel about it? Was it good? You know, what do, what do you think? And she's like, oh, I feel like I had a really great childhood. And so I asked her, like, what are the three greatest things about your childhood? And so one of the things she said was homeschooling. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, that is great because that was the biggest sacrifice of my life. So mm-hmm. I'm glad to know, you know, that 
you felt that way. It wasn't perfect at all, but it was a sweet gift. Even our youngest that I'd never homeschooled, just the fact that, you know, she she was born when Ella was going to start kindergarten. And so she was always there while we were doing homeschool. And so the hardship of this time is that we're all always together, right? Mm -hmm. But there is a gift and an invitation in that as well. And so I think that parents are more equipped than they think they are. And find someone that you trust to bounce ideas off and to encourage you and to tell you, you know, you're not screwing your kid up. No, they're learning. Look at these things that they're doing. You can do it. Like you, you really can. Anybody truly can do it. So one of the real benefits of homeschooling younger children is that developmentally school kind of has benchmarks of things that they think your kid should be doing this by the end of kindergarten or by first grade, or they're just pushing, pushing for these benchmarks. Mm -hmm. And there is such a difference between a summer birthday and a fall birthday, you know, of a kid when they're in kindergarten, first grade, second grade. And there's just kids just develop differently. Like we don't look at a kid that, you know, hits puberty earlier or later and think anything of that, right? Or the analogy I always use is like, I had a kid that started walking at 11 months. Then my next one didn't walk till 18 months. I mean, what if with Eve, I was like, oh no, we better try to teach her to walk. You know, what if every day I was like, let's get her to walk, let's get her to walk. You know, it's like, it would be ridiculous. It would be unnecessary struggle and stress. And you don't look at Ella and think now like, well, she was the early walker. She's clearly really good at that. You know, it's like, you just all learn to do it. And yeah. And so with, with reading and with some of those skills from tutoring and working with parents, I just see parents all the time that are stressed about their kid. Are they behind or just they're not where they are relative to others? And you just see with kids, it can suck the life out of the joy of school because they just feel this. it's like they're, it's like they're a 12 month old that you're trying to teach to walk, but they're not going to walk until they're 18 months. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, you make them hate it. And so Mm -hmm. if you have a young child that hasn't hit those benchmarks, then this is a time to be free, not unattended. You know, like, it's not like if you're, if there's underlying things that you need to be attuned to indefinitely. But for the most part, third grade is the great equalizer. And Mm -hmm. somewhere in the third grade, they all kind of level out unless there's, there's a learning disability or something that, you know, needs additional support. I just think that there's a real opportunity in home education to not push the kid that is going to get there, but it's just going to be a little slower and to make them enjoy school and to do things that make them realize that they are smart and they can learn a wonderful opportunity of this moment. My middle child had such a hard kindergarten year. And at one point I got really frustrated with the teacher and I was like, I feel like the only job in kindergarten is to not make them hate school. Like, can can we just aim for there? You know? And I do feel like when we, when you try to force something, then their options are let themselves be controlled by you, which 
they don't love or continue to kind of fight back. Neither of those options are great when you're trying to encourage like intellectual curiosity. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Or the, the ADD kid that you're like, now you need to hop on your bike mm-hmm. and you need to, to ride around the neighborhood and then you come back and we'll do something else. And so mm-hmm. you can really create a very different learning environment and experience than what school is capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like you can really create something that really works well for you instead of trying to fight so hard to fit into a system that doesn't work so well. Especially the younger they are, there isn't all that much that you truly have to do to be keeping them on target. And I'm not saying then don't do things, but I'm just saying then there is, there is just more room for exploration and play Mm -hmm. and building massive things out of Legos and making up a story about it and putting on a play my girls, we read this, like, it's like Shakespeare for kids. And they were like, putting on Macbeth, you know, and it it was just, it didn't require much of me. We just read it. And then I'm like, yeah, y'all go make the costumes and do the thing. Uh And, and so, and that's such valuable learning. So the fear of, will they, will they integrate back in? Will they, you know, know enough? They will. Well, Holly, I am so grateful for your time. I really look forward to your adventure. Um, hopefully you um, be able to give us updates on, on your caravanning around the country. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of The Curious Mother. Please join our community and add your voice. Follow us on Instagram at The Curious Mother.